Uh, Today I'm speaking about finding your place in God's mission. And uh, it's interesting because I was asked by... uh, by Joshua and then Lee, I think Lee was first asked me to speak today on the Mission Sunday, but Joshua asked me to speak those couple of weeks ago, quite separate from one another, and yet in my mind the issues are very much the same. Because if I think about what I was asked to speak about a couple of weeks ago, about the individual privilege, responsibility and challenges in sharing the gospel, which I called being Jesus in the world... There's a real link between that and our understanding of mission and our place in the world. Before I get onto some of that context, that content, I want to thank you very much for your support, financial, prayerful, and otherwise for Juvenile and Joshua in Rwanda. Uh, I want to say to you that these are high quality individuals, uh, people that I love, people that I work with. Uh, I met Joshua before I met Juvenile. Joshua was looking for somebody to mentor him as he started out on pastoral ministry. We had a mutual friend who put us in contact with one another and began by email and then I was able to go and be at his church. And really, the Rugendi in Kronziza Church, I feel like is my church home in Rwanda. I've been to many churches in Rwanda, and but I always make sure when I'm in Rwanda that I go to that church. Um, Joshua, that church very much has the stamp of Joshua on it. And when I say the stamp of Joshua, I mean his character. Uh, I find often in Africa there's a lot of, um, in my experience in Africa, there's a lot of grandstanding by leaders, there's a lot of wanting to take the first place and all those kinds of things, but Joshua's quite the reverse of that, quite a humble fellow. Um, it's very typical in the Brethren churches in Rwanda, which is the Inkaraziza church, to find one elder and a group of deacons, and I ask why that is. And they said, well, it's just because the elders fight one another, so it's easier if we had just have one elder who makes the decisions. But I've observed Joshua systematically bringing other men into the eldership so that he has a, a team approach, and it's it very much characterised by that. And you'll see there that uh, photo of him together with Sylvie. Joshua and Sylvie don't have any children, quite the reverse situation to Juvenile and Dorcas. Uh, the community that they live in is a very poor community. Joshua said to me, really, covid nineteen's made little difference to us economically because the people here are poor. Um, I wasn't so sure about the numbers that Joshua had there. I didn't quite catch what he said, but my observation is that on any Sunday, there seem to be about 100 kids there, and often Sylvie is teaching those kids on her own. So it's quite a challenge for her. Juvenile I met through Joshua, as I said, and he was when I met him, he was the training pastor for the Inkaraziza churches. And so I've travelled extensively with Joshua, uh, with Juvenile, around the country doing training and got to know him very well uh, through a series of events involving leadership corruption. Uh, there was a major upheaval in the church's group. It's very much more centralised than we are here in Australia. Uh, and eventually the two of the senior leaders were dismissed and Juvenile was appointed by the group, as he said, the overseer, the national overseer, and what they call a legal representative. So I guess if you think of that in terms of CVAT here in Victoria, you'd say he's a combination of uh, David Wright and Paul Gould is the best way that I can probably describe that. But again, a, an individual of tremendously uh, high character, and it's one of the highlights of my week every week at the moment to spend an hour, an hour and a half in a Zoom meeting with Juvenile and his fellow leaders working through leadership matters. In fact, when I saw both their presentations, my heart kind of 
burst and reminded me that I'm not able to be there with them, uh, but how I appreciate them and value them. And I'll, I just want you to know that your investment in them is multiplied over and over uh, into the lives of many. And I thank God for these men, and I thank God for the opportunity to work with them and partner with them personally as well. Now, when it comes down to the question of mission, I don't know how you think of mission. Generally, we think of it um, over there. And today, we are focused on over there, so I get that. But really, mission has a local, regional, national and international dimension. Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So really, mission begins where we are. And it's my contention that we should never send somebody on mission over there who's not prepared to be a missionary here. I think I've been perhaps part of doing that in the past in leadership positions, uh, endorsing people to go somewhere who weren't missionaries here first. So Jesus envisaged the, the script of mission going out from a place, mission being in a place, but going out from places to all over the world. And as I would understand mission, I see mission being in the heart and the character and the action of God. I think of God who created the world. And I can't quite get my clicker to work at the moment. Andrew, I'm sorry. He's not proceeding. There we go. Yep, good. I don't know whether you've ever thought of this way, but really from the very beginning of human history or the beginning of the history of the the earth as we understand it, God was on mission. God was on mission creating a people for himself, a people to be in relationship with. And we see that spelling out very much when God comes into the garden after Adam and Eve have sinned. And God is asking, where are you? God's looking for them. God's looking to be in relationship with them. And we we have the story of Abraham and the calling of Abraham uh, by God. And God says, you know, I'll I'll, uh, bless the nations through you. And we read in Galatians 3 about how those who believe in Jesus Christ today are spiritual descendants of Abraham. This happened because it was in the heart of God to have people for himself. We see that in the calling of the people of Israel and the work of the people of Israel. You know, Israel was called to be a light to the nations. In Isaiah 49, we have there about how God says, Is it too small a thing for you to be my servant and to bring the nations? And so God always had a heart to bring people to himself, to be in relationship with people. We see that in the giving of the law and the sacrifices. Probably we are somewhat negatively impacted by the Pauline view of the law, not that his view was wrong at all, but that he was focusing on the law as a means of salvation. And we know the law is unable to do that. But God also gave the law so people could know how they could live together in relationship with him. You see, it was God's intent that people live in a kind of way. This is the, the mission of God reaching out to people and saying, if you want to be my community, if you want to be my people, this is the way that you should live. And then the provision of the sacrifices so that when people failed, they could come back into relationship with him. We have it in the story of the prophets. You know, the prophets told what God wanted to be done. And the prophets called people back to what God had for them to do. I can't get that clicker working again, Andrew. I'm sorry. I like to be in control with the clicker, you see. Thank you, Andrew. It's great to have great people that you can work with, I must say. I've enjoyed working with the guys over these few weeks. So the prophets would call people back 
into relationship with God. And of course, we've taken communion today, which if you like, we often look at mission just through the grid of Jesus. And it's true that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That God was in Christ reconciling people to himself. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The story of the cross the death of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the return of Jesus Christ is all part of the mission of God, the heart and action of God. You see, when we are on mission, when we have a heart for mission, when we're active in mission, we're doing the work, not only the work of God, but we're doing the kind of work that God has done himself. So really, mission is much bigger than a New Testament issue. Mission goes back to creation. We see it through the whole story of the Old Testament and then on into the New and that whole plan of redemption that gets wrapped up when Jesus Christ comes back again. And the writer of Revelation describes a situation where people from every tongue and tribe and nation gathered around the heavenly throne. That's when God's mission will be fulfilled. That's when God's mission will be complete. And you and I have the privilege of being part of that mission, of being partners with God in that mission. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Whenever you are being salt and light in the world and people are looking at you and saying, there's something that God has done in that person's life and they give honour to God, you are engaging in the mission that God has for us all. Paul talks about his own personal experience of this in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3. It's worth reading the whole section, but we don't have time to do that today. In chapter 1, Paul says that God made known to us the mystery of his will. And that mystery is, it goes on in chapter 3, that That mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. And he says, although I am the least, less than the least of all the Lord's people. Think about that. You know, we think of the Apostle Paul, sort of several stories above my status. He says, although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this ministry which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all. So here we have this idea of continuum again that Paul brings out and he saw what God had given him as a privilege, as an honour, one that he didn't deserve. Is that how you see your part in God's mission? You know, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 that God has made us ambassadors. He says God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. When God decided to reveal himself completely to the world, he did it in the person of Jesus Christ. And now God has chosen to reveal Jesus Christ through the body of Christ, through the people of of Christ. Remember, we talked about how we are Jesus in the world. 
Just as witness is part of our identity, mission is part of our identity. And really, you and I should be on mission wherever we find ourselves, here, there and everywhere, local to international. The question is, what's my part in that? Where do I fit in that? And I want to get to that at the end. Uh, I was also asked to share a bit about what we're doing with uh, with help. And again, I want to thank you for those who are praying for us and for a, a number of you who've given to other help projects other than Joshua and Juvenile. There's also some extra funds given in the last year for uh, Juvenile's needs for Miriam's treatment. And you'll see there, I mean, I think it must be very difficult for a man who doesn't have his own house, who has hardly any income, to sit on those funds and wait for his daughter's treatment. Must must inquire, uh, require tremendous discipline of him. Uh, but with help... We have one ministry, but we have two entities. That's the best way that I can explain this to you. We have something called the Help Help Charitable Trust, which we started in 2010, and its focus is on pastors, on churches, on spiritual things, but projects as well, but it's a religious charity. So that's one side of our operation, if you like. The other side of our operation we started in 2018, which is really about community transformation. So these are social projects, they don't, though they may be done by people who are Christians, they, they don't have a gospel edge. It's very important in Australian taxation law that we, that we satisfy those kind of requirements in order to be a public benevolent institution. And we give tax receipts for those things because of that. Examples of that are the project that we ran uh, earlier this year. It's finished now. We, we raised funds for Durbanville Community Church in South Africa to do Christmas parcels for kids in Kailicha. We raised $8,000 for that. So around about 900 children will get a a Christmas present because of that. But there's no gospel edge to that. It's a social relief package. And so we've had to divide up our work in that kind of way, all the while uh, seeing it uh, as, as one ministry with two entities. When it comes to our strategies, really... It, it, we're involved with mentoring pastors and leaders. Most of the leaders we're involved in are involved in education, but there are some others as well. And we do that by going there, but also by our um, online uh, contact. Part of it is to run ministry trips. And these are really for to create awareness. So we take people with us who want to get some first-hand experience. And uh, if you want to go on one of our trips, we'd be happy God willing to take you on one of those whenever we're able to travel again. But they're also an important part of our accountability. One of the reasons that we were successful in getting tax deductibility for the initial two projects that we put up was not because of our paperwork, but it's because we were able to go and see uh, and demonstrate that we had an inside knowledge of what was happening. That's a very important thing for us. But it's also about teaching and training and Depending on the nature of the trip, we may be focused more on the church side or on the education side. It's very typical for Anthony and I, my wife, to go together, and I'll be working with pastors and church leaders, uh, students in Bible school training, that kind of thing. But Anthony will be able to work with school principals and teachers running professional development for them. So that's kind of how we divide up uh, what we do according to our expertise and according to the need as well. Um, as well as that, we're involved with money. Now, I have to tell you, I didn't, when I started, it was not my intention to be involved with money. 
My idea was that I would I would just go and I would be involved in training people. That was all I ever wanted to do. But the thing I became aware of was that really some of the people that I was training had no resources to do what they did. Some of them had no income. For example, somebody like Joshua who gives up his job, who relies on his wife's income but has no income from the church. Juvenile who's supposed to be paid but often doesn't get paid because the group doesn't have money. These kind of people who need support. I became very aware of the importance of resourcing. And then people started giving me some money and kind of it, it all grew from there. I wouldn't say it was something that I strategically decided to do but it was something that that God did in that context. And I, I did some numbers for our trustees and directors just last week for a meeting. And I was staggered to realise that up until uh, the beginning of November this year, over the 10 years that we've been doing this, between the two entities, uh, we've been given nearly, uh, sorry, we've expended almost $1.4 million on ministry in Africa. That blows my mind because I'm not, I'm not actually a money person. But it just blows my mind what God has done and I'm very thankful for that because I know that it makes a huge difference in those people's lives and in that circumstance. We've had a, we've added another thing this year by necessity. So I, I said we've got three strategies but it's three plus one now, which would be four, but I already had point four so I didn't want to mess with my numbers. Um, we've always produced material and what we do with the material that we take, I always take uh, we, we found that taking paper material uh, tends to be useless. Um, not everybody has computers either, but some do. Uh, we've found the best thing to do is to take materials on USB uh, and then people can find somebody with a computer and look at it, uh, get it translated, that kind of thing. Uh, that's the best way we've found of multiplying a material. But we've had to take a different approach this year because we're not going. And so we've got a page on our website now, and that's just a page on the website, um, where well, we've posted, we, we did uh, eight sessions on financial management for the Increnziza Church. They're all YouTube links. Um, they they have they are accessing those. They asked me for Bible study material because material is hard to get. You heard Joshua say that a lot of people don't have Bibles and so on. So what we're doing is, I've been doing this for the last twelve weeks. Each week. I send a Word document with the, the, the relevant passage from James printed in it, a series of questions. Then we create a, um, a YouTube presentation, which again has the questions gone through um, and then ask people to stop and then an explanation or a little message after that on the passage. The idea is to get people involved in studying the scripture for themselves. It's very labour-intensive for me on this side, but also that side because what they're doing with it, it's really designed for the leaders. It's not designed for the people. Anyone, any one of you could do this, but um, because of the language barrier, that's just not possible there. So uh, what's happening is that they've got one of their leaders who's doing the translation of the stuff and getting it to, to leaders and so on to use. Some of them will understand enough English to be able to do it, but very few of them. So we have a number of objectives that align. We're focused on leaders we're focused on people who are serving in ministry as lay practitioners. We're focusing on easing local poverty. And we're focusing on uh, enabling life-changing projects. And it's that latter one uh, is a large area that that the company, Helps CT Limited, the tax-deductible entity, uh, is working in currently. Uh, we're currently engaged in five countries. We've got a small project uh, in Kenya. 
then projects in Rwanda, South Africa, Tanzania, and now, uh, in a sense, Australia, because we have a lot of activity here in Australia. In fact, really, today I'm here representing the HELP organisation. And so we, we see the need of investing here as well as investing their mission at home, as well as mission abroad, here, there, and everywhere. So there's some a few numbers. There's one more. Sorry, I jumped ahead there. Um, let me go again. I've gone backwards, I think, Andrew. I went the wrong way. Let me just... There we go. Now, please, don't try and read that. You, you, you'll go cross-eyed. Uh, I just wanted to jot down some things that we've been involved with over the 10 years by the numbers. And what struck me as I did this is the multiplication factor of the things that we're able to be involved in. You see, the nature of mission has changed overseas. The nature of overseas mission has changed. Once the, the, the missionary came in as an expert, they did the groundbreaking work, uh, they were kind of the, the top of the pole. Now what we do is we come in as a, alongside, just like Jesus did, to an existing church, an existing work, and we partner with them and we assist them in what they need to do and they take leadership. But the fact is that if you're investing in these people, if you're doing things for them, then the m- multiplication factor is amazing. I mean, there's Joshua who uh, started out in 2012. I, I met him in 2013. Um, and there's Joshua who have invested in over the long term. Not only is Joshua now um, leading a thriving church, but he's actually the supervising pastor for 12 pastors in the Kigali region. And some of that is to do with the investment that we've been privileged to make in his life. As I said to you, uh, pastor training is really my passion and that's why I started out. But God had bigger things in mind. And that's frequently the, the way it is. You know, have you ever said, if I'd known what was going to be involved, I might never have started? Well, it's a little bit like that as well. But the other side of that is that God would not have done what he has had I not been willing to begin. And I think there's a salutary lesson there for us all. We need to begin and see what God does. I thought you might prefer the pictures, so I'll just show you a few pictures. Here are some Picks from last year's strategic planning with the Incrancesa Church. We took Ant Bloomer and Tony Lyon from Warrandyte and ran almost a full week of strategic planning. That was really interesting because it all had to be translated and so on. But it was interesting to see the people grappling with their future as a, as a movement. They'd never done something like that before. They wanted to do it, but they'd never done that. And I know when we walked away, we thought, well, will that be very useful to them really, you know, um, because it's very much a Western kind of approach, I suppose. Um, in Rwanda, they have this beautiful word, it's bibaho. And basically it means, ah, it happens. And that's often how planning is in Africa. There isn't any planning, it happens. Uh, for good or for bad. And so this was a very new thing for them to do. But I see every week... Uh, in my meetings with Juvenile, the outworking of this. And I see the things that he's trying to put into place that will strengthen the work there that really come out of what these people processed and discussed those days. This picture is a picture of uh, us when we were in uh, Mwanza, Tanzania last year. Uh, I'm there trans- uh, with one of the pastors as a translator. We had about 40 pastors um, involved with us for a week there in quite significant uh, leadership, teaching and discussions. They asked us to pitch at people who are just starting out in ministry. Uh, and so 
We called it developing a ministry that lasts and they had a whole range of practical issues that they wanted us to deal with. And some of the discussion at times was pretty fierce and pretty intense, um, but really, really wonderful and very much appreciated by the people that we did that with. Another highlight last year was to take a, a pastors and wives seminars. It's a bit odd for two blokes to turn up and take a pastor and wives seminars, but neither of our wives could go. Uh, you may not quite be able to see that, but I, I wish you could see the the joy on the faces of those people discussing together things about their marriage life. And they said to us, we never, we never talk about things in this kind of way. Thank you for making it possible for us to have these convers- kind of conversations uh, about our life and our future. It was really a joy to be part of that. Um, something more on the on the company side. These pictures are from a little town in South Africa called Clipewell. It's outside Durbanville, which is on the fringe of um, of Cape Town near the wine regions. It's a very impoverished community, um, consisting largely of shacks. Durbanville Community Church has a a work there, uh, a spiritual work and a social work. We've been engaged with them for the last three years in a tutoring program called School in a Box, which focuses on kids who are disadvantaged, who need extra help, who don't, who often don't have light in their house at home, who may be the the senior person in the home because there's no mum and dad, uh, people who won't get ahead unless they get some extra tutoring. So we've been providing funds for that and, and working with them on that. But of course, COVID nineteen changed everything there this year and they had to suspend the program so we, we normally send about eight thousand dollars for that um, the first four thousand got used for the program i said to them with the second four thousand please use use those funds to feed people and we we're able to send another four thousand uh, that enabled people to be fed um, and the people there are so appreciative uh, of the whole situation there where they're being Helped, and there are people who are trying to lift their economic standing as well as helping them spiritually. We're also involved with the King's Children's Home in South Africa. We actually um, sponsor the the nannies there at the orphanage uh, to the tune of $30,000 a year. Uh, But just recently we were able to provide some extra funds so that uh, they were able to have AstroTurf. We had a in the picture there you'll see some containers. Some of you will be familiar with container technology in Africa. And those containers have kitchens, laundries, rooms for the children and so on, education room. And they set them in a quadrangle. And then we had a supporter a few years ago who gave funds so they could build the roof over. And there was a stall on that project because of some neighbour objections. But that was done earlier this year. And then they said, well, we really need to make that surface something suitable for the kids to play on so they're not sitting just on hard concrete. And so we had someone who gave us money and we were just so privileged and honoured to be able to um, to provide that so those children can have uh, wonderful care. The Kings have cared for about 240 children over the last 10 years, found a lot of them adoptive homes. Um, most of these children, well, they're all abandoned children. A lot of them have significant issues that come from that. Uh, but they get their lives restored and set on a new path as a result of being in this place. And, and again, I just feel so privileged that we are a small part of what happens there uh, in that place. Juvenile, sorry, I've gone one too far, I think. Yep, no. I keep pressing forward instead of backwards. I'll learn, by the time I'm finished here, I might learn how to do this. 
We're also involved with a, a pregnancy support program in George in South Africa. And uh, one of the things that we do there is to help provide funds for the new mum's pantry. Uh, many of the mums, sometimes the difference between having a child and not having a child or abandoning a child and not, have, not abandoning a child is by having a few supplies. And so we, we've been able to provide funds for supplies. There are more there this year than ever before. And that, again, has been part of the because of the COVID-19 response. And we said to them, look, don't just focus on the, on the young mums, focus on your whole clientele. And so they've been able to feed and care for more people as a result of that. And they're most grateful for that. We did the same thing at the Kigali Christian School. Uh, we support um, three three youth workers in the YFC ministry, but we support three staff at the Kigali Christian School and sponsor a number of children. Because Rwanda had COVID-19 restrictions similar to what we've had here in Victoria. And so all of the ministry staff were sacked. Well, that's not the word that they would use, but that's sort of what happened. Uh, the, the school staff, on the other hand, their contracts were suspended. And then what they tried to do was, although they, they weren't able to give any of these people wages, they tried to feed them each month. And so we were able to send a couple of lots of money that... Uh, provided food for a couple of months for staff. And again, we, we felt honoured to be able to do that. But again, that's only because we have people who supported to do, us to do that. I frequently get requests for help from Africa, from all sorts of sources, people I know, people I don't know. And I say to them, you need to understand that I'm just a pipe. So what do you mean you're a pipe? Well, you're the recipient. There's no money in me. I'm empty. I'm relying on donors giving me money at this end in order that you may receive. And so really we're blessed to have people who give us funds that we can pass on. And in lots of ways, we have all the blessing of the giver in that sense because we get to see the benefit. This picture here uh, are some pictures that uh, Juvenile sent me from the uh, distribution of Bibles to Bible study group leaders at Byumba. When when Juvenile talks about giving Bibles, he's talking about giving Bibles to leaders. Imagine being a Bible study leader and you don't have a Bible. Imagine that. That's the situation a lot of these folk. And I've I've seen I've been present at some of these Bible distributions and it's just amazing to see the joy in people's lives when they get a Bible. This picture is just from the Rugendi Church. I know Joshua said he has trouble with building code issues, which is a, a big problem in Rwanda these days because the government has clamped down on that. But the reality is that Joshua's church, that church, is better than many that I get to visit. But here are some of the people that are part of the distribution that he, he spoke of. And this pic here is uh, just a picture from a couple of weeks ago. So we do this every Monday uh, at 6 o'clock, and the meetings are get lo- getting longer and longer as they want to process things. All of these guys, there's mixed English ability, some of them more so than others, but we we make our way through. So maybe that gives you a little snapshot. I, I, I really struggle with knowing honestly how much to say and how much not to say because there's much more that I could say about all of this. But let me just bring bring us back to this issue of finding our place in God's mission. Essentially, you and I are called to join with God and others in his mission in the world. It's not something that's optional. It is 
who we are. It is part of our identity. Now, if that's true, and I believe it is true, then we need to figure out the who, what, where, and how of our mission. That is, what does God have for me to do? And as I reflect now that I'm sort of 64 years of age, I realise that there are things that you can do at certain age that you can't do at other ages. That, on the one hand, the increase age diminishes some capacities, but it increases other capacities. I was talking with this uh, about this with Juvenile the other day. I said to him, you know, Juvenile, I don't have the same energy that I once had. I get tired more easily. But the one thing that I have is experience. And he said, good, you give us your experience and we'll give it the power. Now, I like that. And that's a really good place to be in in somebody's life. I didn't plan to end up in doing overseas mission work. In fact, I didn't plan to become a youth pastor in the first place or a pastor or a pastor. I didn't plan any of that. That was God's calling on my life. And that's how I feel about this too. It's kind of just happened. It's the next logical step, if you like, in my life. I'm God's calling on my life. All of us need to figure out what God has for us to do. I was saying to a friend uh, just during the week, it's interesting that everything that I've, every place that I've served, I've felt like this is the place that God has for me to be. And I think that's a really important issue. We need to figure out what, how, who, where God has for us to be. But you know, there's something special about what I'm doing now that I can't explain. If you could come with me, let's say to the little church in Byumba where we, we did a seminar a couple of years ago and I'm sitting with 30 pastors and we're doing question time. Question time is the most productive time. Because that's when they interact with you over what you've talked about and what's on their hearts. And you're doing question time and you're battling with the fact that you're speaking through translation. That you don't really understand the culture. That you're an outsider. And that you're working your hardest that you can with all your mind to try and figure out where is this coming from and what does this person mean. And you're hoping to provide an answer to them that's biblical and honest and relevant and workable for where they are. You know, in those moments, I feel like this is what God made me for. Now, I would have said that different stages in my life about various things, but that's how I feel about it now. Do you know what God made you for? Are you stepping out into what God has for you? You know, there's a story of Peter in the New Testament. And I've heard some criticisms of Peter when people have preached on Peter. Because, you know, he got out on the water in response to Jesus' invitation and he took his eyes off Jesus and he began to sink. And people say, oh, Peter took his eyes off Jesus. But, you know, many of these people who say this about Peter would never have got out of the boat. I believe God calls us to get out of the boat, to have a go, to try, to see what he does. And often Christians do not discover what God has for them to do because they don't get out of the boat. Please, step out of the boat. 
And it's in stepping out of the boat and trying that you will discover what God has for you to do. And in that, wherever we are, we can be witnesses for Jesus Christ, telling what we know about him. And of course, as always, there's that position where we need to do what we do in dependence on the Holy Spirit. I've been challenged about that this week again because I was whinging to myself about some of my circumstances and worrying about some of my circumstances. And I had to remind myself that 10 years ago, when I finished at Warrandyke Community Church, one of the things that I said to myself was, I think God wants me to trust him more. And here I am, behaving in ways, in my mind, that show lack of trust. It's reminded me all over again that I need to carry out my life in dependence on the Holy Spirit and what he does. You know, I pray that God would really bless you as an individual that you will discover the place that God has for you in mission, that you'll carry out the mission that God has for you, whether it's here, whether it's over there, or where it's somewhere else, whether it's praying or going, witnessing, all of those things, that you will discover what God's critical contribution is for you. Because I believe he has something for everybody. And I believe that in that, there is great joy for you and great reward in kingdom terms as well. So may the Lord help you, may the Lord help me to walk in the place that God has for us in the mission that he's called us to. Let me pray for us as we conclude today. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to reflect on all of these things. We thank you that your heart is for us and we thank you that your heart is for all the world. Help us to have your heart for the people that live next door to us, the people down the street from us, the people in the next city, the people in the next state, and the people all around the world. We know, Lord, that we can't do everything for everybody. We can't be in all places. But help us to be faithful where we are found, where we are. And then may that spill over into other places. And may we fulfill your heartbeat for us. I think of Jesus Christ who said, Here I am, send me. And so, Lord, today we make ourselves available to you and your purposes. We understand that not only is this your calling on our life, but it is a great privilege, a privilege that will never cost us anything in the truest sense of the world, a privilege in which really there is only rich reward, even if that's only the reward in our heart. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that one day, because of you and your grace, we will be together around your throne with people from every tribe, tongue and nation. Help each one of us in our part in making you known so that that may be the case. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.